Jim McGinnis is a longtime DJ here in uh, San Diego. On uh, for most of that time on KGB, uh, he was uh, the first DJ uh, here in town to champion local punk rock. In fact, the first time I heard myself on the radio in uh, in my band was on Jim McGinnis's "The Modern World," and uh, so we're here to talk about that stuff today. Okay. So, well, I have to commend you on your choice of uh, wardrobe today. Oh, yeah, thanks, Jim. It was strictly a coincidence, though, that uh, I put on this Penetrators shirt. I know that you were uh, you were a member of the Penetrators, <laughs> but the fact that you were coming over here and the fact I wore the shirt, completely unrelated. Well, okay, I, I like the synchronicity of that, then. It's even better. <laughs> no, obviously, I put this on deliberately. It was either this or my Manny Machado Padres jersey. <laughs> They've been going uh, really well lately, so and Manny's had some timely home runs. So. All right. Padres are a lot of fun this year. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. I don't know much about it, but well, that's what I'm hearing. Well, they're 21-16 or something like that right now. Okay. Yeah, last year at this time they were like 6-32 and 32 or something. Something pretty bad. They were terrible last year. But we're not here to talk about baseball. Not really, no. but, I mean, we can talk about anything we want, really. Right. <laughs> well, let's just cut to the subject at hand. All right. And the way we usually start this um, is probably not the way we're going to start this one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So, well, all right, you just told me you came out from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. I did. Uh, you were in radio there, right? I, yeah, I was the program director. Uh, I ran a 50,000-watt FM station that played whatever we wanted. This was but from 19... I was the, the general, uh, the op, operations manager, PD, from uh, early 72 to the middle of 73 when I you came You mean like here. college radio? No, this is a, a commercial radio I station. No, no, I mean in the fact that the DJs could choose the music. Is oh, that, yeah. It was that the, happening? Yeah, it was what our format was that there was no format. Yeah. It was a rock station, but I, I would, uh, at times in my show, just if I felt like I'd, I'd throw in a Bach concerto or something, you know, <laughs> in between uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer and Jethro Tull or whatever, you know, if it seemed to fit, you know. It was, of course, you're all assuming that your audience is following along and, you know, they're tuned in just like you are to the subject matter of the songs you're playing, but nobody really was, you know, it right. was all self-indulgent wanking. But uh, well, I it's the way it should be, of, you know. Yeah, I, I, I miss that. I, I mean, if the DJ doesn't love what he's playing. Yeah, exactly. So, and I miss that kind of, I'm, you know, not that I grew up with it so much. I, I, I was up in Sacramento, I was listening to KXOA was mm-hmm. up there. That was owned by Brown Broadcasting, who owned KGB. Oh, really? Before it was sold to the corporate well, uh, right. entities. Right. Yep. And so they, they had a format. I mean, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, you know, eclectic or anything, but they did have some DJs with their, Oh, there was the Johnny Hyde Gear Hour, and he was getting the latest stuff from England. You know, this is 65, 66, and he was getting the latest stuff from England, and I was loving. Oh, sure. Yeah, there was Pretty Things, and you know, it's kind of the um, some more obscure. Uh, yeah. Wasn't Stones and Beatles? It was. It was that too. But yep. You know, the other more obscure stuff as well. Loved it. Yep. There was a. In Chicago, WCFL was doing that in the mid-1960s, Ron Britton's Subterranean Circus. <laughs> the same idea. You know, you know that, that sounds familiar to me. I think I've heard of that. Well, he could have. 
Yeah. W, WCFL and WLS were, is, was a historic uh, battle of rock radio stations in the 60s in Chicago. And they're both 50,000 watt radio stations. So you could hear them all over the country at night. You know, so oh, wow. that's well, where I cut my teeth listening to radio and learning, learning and, and realizing that that's what I wanted to do with my life. And I was f 15 years old. Something yeah. Like that. Some of those and that's stations. the path I've been on ever since. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. I started doing the, the morning announcements in my high school at age of 16. Is that right? Yeah, it was this, my high school. In the PA? 20, yeah, 2,500 students. It's a big school. You know, this is in the Chicago suburbs. And yeah. That was my first uh, gig doing that every morning. <laughs> and then uh, I went to college that had a radio station. I spent all my time at the radio station at the expense of my studies because sure. they didn't offer a course in that. So I ended up going to Southern Illinois University, known for its broadcast curriculum, and got my BS, which is appropriate degree, <laughs> from uh, Southern Illinois. And, Bachelor uh, of Science. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and then I went right to work in radio a few months after graduation, and here I am, 49 So did you come later. straight to KGB from... No, I, went, I ran that station in Wisconsin. I was at that station all told three years, a year and a half as the program director and then I came out to San Diego so out of my 49 years uh, in commercial radio 46 are in San Diego uh -huh. and uh, f KGB 40 45 year I just passed my 45th anniversary May 1st was 1974 wow. is when I started the KGB but I was gone from KGB for a while too right 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 13 and a half years uh, previous time administration flies when you're having a good time. yeah previous administration <laughs> fired me but they have new administration they you know corporate radio they they're churning over executives left and right all the time so yeah so I just said can I come back now and they said okay kind of knee-jerk reactions when the ratings come out yeah it's it's all well no use complaining about it there People have complained about it for years. It's not going to change anything. It is what it is. Yeah, and and well, it's in a state of flux right now because of the internet and podcasting sure. and internet. Yeah, uh, but I, I I think there will always be a need for radio. Always be a need for uh, companionship. You know, a person on the air. People develop a relationship with the voice they hear on the radio, and you know. I think there will always be a need for that. Still got the car. The internet's chipping away a little bit at the car, but it's still got yeah. the dashboard. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Car. The car is where most radio listening takes place. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. So, well, all right. So you do wind up at KGB eventually. Mm -hmm. 1974. 74. Mm -hmm. All right. So when did you start thinking about this new music, punk rock. <clears throat> I would say the first taste of that came with uh, 1975. And I was thinking of this before you came over. Uh, there was an album called uh, Berserkly Chartbusters, a uh, Berkeley label called Berserkly. And on that record was Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers Roadrunner, which KGB jumped on and started playing it. And I, it, to, to my memory, which granted has a lot of holes in it, but I recall that as being the first, we didn't even call it punk or anything then. But It, it was, wasn't called punk. Either. No, it was, but it was the first non-slick 
produced kind of thing we started to play. Uh, berserkly chart busters with the modern lovers and earthquake we played something by the hard rock band earthquake that i liked quite a bit their version of friday on my mind and then f from that uh, mid 70s to the late 70s we kind of jumped in uh feet first and we're playing all kinds of stuff that uh, that came out mostly from england uh bands like uh the vipers the yachts Oh God, um, Plummet Airlines, one of my favorite band <laughs> names. <laughs> Plummet Airlines, nine nine nine. I played a lot mm -hmm. of that. Played a lot of played Sex Pistols a little bit, but usually on uh, my weekend shows. In the Clash, we gave regular play to all these groups, and we got tons of hate hate mail and and calls from listeners saying, "Get that crap off the air! I want to hear the Eagles, you know, or or whatever." Sure. But we put up with that flack for as long as we could, and then eventually, you know, consultants creep in, and everybody has an opinion about what you should be doing. So right. Eventually, said, "Stop playing that stuff, and if you're going to play it, put it on a weekend specialty show." So I came up with "Modern World," using the jam song as my theme song, "Modern World." And, oh, right. And that's where uh, a lot of people heard a lot of this stuff for the first time was on my "Modern World" show, which was. God, 1977, 78, 79, somewhere in there. So we didn't get on and you guys show until about 79? 79, Sensitive Boy and Stimulation, the single that I paid to have pressed, by the way. <laughs> single. You guys owe me 500 we, we, bucks. Right, we, need to, <laughs> we need to talk about... No, I don't care. <laughs> no, no but, but what we need to talk about is hit single. I mean, because yeah. we weren't the only punk band. That, no, no. Oh, you now hit single studios. That's Randy Fuley. Yeah. Um, Randy and I were were roommates back in Wisconsin, and um, with a couple other guys in radio and music and stuff. And uh, we all moved out here um, to San Diego because, you know, because look at middle of April in Wisconsin, you get a blizzard. You know, all right. So we got tired of seven months of winter, so we came out here. And Randy's always wanted a studio, so. He started cobbling one together in the garage of his his house. That's on, where we recorded on Aaron Court, yeah, out in Oak Park, San Diego's Oak Park, and that's where yeah the Penetrators recorded their DFX two. I uh, co-produced their EP. Where are they now? Oh, in okay, nineteen eighty, yeah. they did the Chuck and the Tigers record there. Oh right. The Wigs. Uh, gosh, you think I think he recorded uh, Battalion of Saints as well too. Yeah, I uh, I went out there because uh, I took Randy's class. Uh, oh yeah, he's a teacher now. I, yeah, a couple I, of semesters I don't see him ago. Yeah. And uh, he's you know he's teaching sound technology, and he has us do these you know sound projects and put them on a CD. Cool. And, but uh, I was right down to the wire, right last day of school, and and it was. Uh, it was, in fact, it was the day after the class, but it was the last day of school, so I had to go out to where he is at now. Now, out by Gillespie Field. Field. Yeah, Gillespie Field, yeah. excuse me, yeah. And uh, so I saw that, and I think I did see a poster for Battalion of Saints out there. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, of course, that's the first place I, I heard myself on the radio, <laughs> Sensitive yeah. Boy. Yeah, Sensitive Boy. KGB jumped on that as soon as the single came out. So, now, 
I remember it was on Modern World. Did it get Did it get played? Yeah, we put it in regular rotation. Regular rotation yeah, that's thing. what I thought. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't have said that for sure, though. Yeah, I think it was a, a C rotation, which is, well, A's are your hot records. Right. Which means that we would play them every two days or something. Uh-huh. So a C was maybe once a week or sure, right. something. But, you know, we did play it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's kind of a... Well, it was a thrill. Yeah. It was a thrill. I mean, it, oh, I'm on the radio, you know? That's right. <laughs> that's it, man. Hey, Mom, that's my... Right. <laughs> <laughs> hear, that, hear that squeaking noise? That's me. Well, yeah, uh, you're doing did. something with your life, James. <laughs> that noise did drive some yeah. directors nuts. Yeah. <laughs> is this supposed to sound like this? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah, that one was Walk the Beat. <laughs> and then, the, of course, that, yeah, it was another weird noise in Sensitive Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, well, then, um, um, so, all right, so, punk rock, KGB, KGB's really doing AOR. Yeah, although I hate that term, but, yeah. Well, album, it had to be called something like Album-oriented rock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Not very descriptive. No, no. Classic like, we, rock, basically. We played a lot of forty-five RPM singles and stuff too. You know. Yeah. So you can't be strictly album-oriented rock, but we, we did. We had a a gigantic playlist though at KGB all the way up till about the late mm, the mid mid eighties, I guess. We were, it kept getting pared down, but when I got there in '74, we were playing. A library consisted of maybe 5,000 songs of all genres. We played everything. And I literally mean we played Frank Sinatra. We played Barbara Streisand, not all day long, of course. But Barbara Streisand, Neil Diamond, um, you know, stuff you would never believe we played, you know, and even the Supremes and Temptations and stuff mixed in with Black Sabbath and you know, the Stones and the Beatles. and well, I, I like that. Yeah, idea. it was very eclectic. And and then we mixed in all the punk stuff and the new wave stuff with all of that. And that was, uh, at one point, it was just like a, an unbelievable mix of stuff uh, for a commercial radio station, which is why KGB is legendary outside of San Diego. In, in the broadcast industry, it is a legendary radio station. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. One of a handful of stations that those who care about such things mention as being, you know, one of the prime rock stations in the country. And you think it's because of the breadth of their playlist? Yeah, and yeah. And, and all of the, the things that we've done over the years, in inventing the Sky Show and the right. homegrown albums and the chicken. Right. AGB chicken. Man, when he got fired, we had we got tires slashed and bomb threats and all kinds of stuff. Happened I remember. Uh, yeah, well, it was nuts. Paul Sansone was the chicken. For Ta- a, Paul dressed a little dressed, bit. Yeah. <laughs> he was a sub chicken. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he remembers that with horror, actually. <laughs> Paul Sansone, by the way, was the penetrator's manager. He was also KGB's promotion, uh, one of the promotion guys at KGB. Also, uh, I shared a duplex with Paul back in the, God, a million years ago. Right. 1980, 81. I didn't know that. Yeah, we had, he lived on one half of the house, I lived in the other half. Yeah. Well, he and I did a radio show. 
Yeah, you did. On 91X, Adventures with Paradise. He was Sal That's Paradise. Sal Paradise. The Rev. And That's right. Talking about eclectic, um, you know, they brought us on to be kind of an edgy show. Now, this was kind of a funny thing. They brought us on to be an edgy show. You know, he was doing mostly late, you know, stuff from, from England, uh, dance tracks and stuff. And I was, he brought me into it because he knew I had a, you know, wide record collection, you know, very eclectic. And he brought me in to, to, to do that. Well, okay, so Karen Carpenter dies. 83, what was it, 84, some, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And I play close to, close to you. When John Lennon died, he was on, you know, endlessly. Yeah. So uh, the program director over there at the time got really angry that I had played close to you. He, he said that was bad taste, tasteless. Why? Why? Right? I, it was a heartfelt tribute. I yeah. think she's one of the greatest voices of the female voices of the 70s. Sure, and he's thinking you're doing it. Uh, to make fun. Yeah. And you're doing it ironically. Yeah, and of course I was not. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of characters to this day. Well, she, she can sing. She's a great singer. Yeah, well, she had... I've seen waveforms of her, her, of her voice no recording. No And, oh, well, right, it's just smooth. It's mm -hmm. like rolling hills or something. <laughs> Very well put. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, we had a lot of fun doing that, though. Um, I haven't seen him in a while, though. He's... Uh, Paul just put something on Facebook saying he was in Rancho Santa Fe. Really? And I just, finally I resisted saying like, well, if you're so close, why don't you come by? Because <laughs> I've, I've said that to him a few times and I always get like, eh, not this time. Forget it. Well, I know he's got a place out in Lake Como. And he's got a place time. in Italy. Yeah. And yeah. I guess he's married to an Italian woman or something. Oh, uh, right. Who I'm... must have money. Or maybe, although I think he's done all right with the, he was doing movie promotions. I, I did see him two or three years ago, so huh. he was doing movie pro promotion. Well, I'd see him at the Comic-Con. Well, that's what he, I was going to say. Last time there. I spoke with him, he was in town for Comic-Con, and we had a phone chat, and he, I said, what are you in here for Comic-Con for? I can't tell you. I'll tell you next time. <laughs> well, now I, now I know a little more. So, yeah, he was a good guy. Mm -hmm. well, Probably he still funny, is. He, he had a funny connection, too, to the punk rock scene, besides us. Mark Rude. Mark Rude. They went to high school together. I know. Mark Hoffman. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Dad was a cop. I think you're the first person to, to, to mention his real name. Yeah. 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 I, he, he was in the studio uh, at KGB. I was interviewing him, and I remember he was wearing shades, and I said, would you take your fucking shades off, man? I like to see who I'm talking to. So we got, we set our boundaries right there, you know. I'm the boss. You're in my studio. I'm interviewing you. Take off your sunglasses, Sonny. Rest in peace, Mark. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah funny guy. I, you know, yeah. he, he was, you know, oddly enough, he was really a sweetheart. Yeah. Um, he was doing that friends of no one's thing and. Phono. Kind of uh, you know, just putting on this punk uh, attitude. Yeah, see, that's bogus to me. And it was bogus yeah. though, I because you know because you you get to talk to him and sit down with him and this uh, this really sweetheart comes out. You know, you know he was doing some dumb stuff, but he he was a pretty good artist uh, and super enthusiastic about 
you know, the music. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like the guy. I like the guy plenty. Um, I didn't like, well, I can remember a, a party in, uh, we were on just off Washington Street. So it was in that area there, University, over by the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so I remember me, Chris Sullivan, Gary, I believe, was involved in this. And uh, so Mark, Loose Gum, uh, I think Arturo was there trying to get into this party. And we, we knew they trashed parties uh-huh. and, uh, you know, broke, broke stuff and just stupid. caused stupid mayhem. Yeah. We weren't going to let them in. And we didn't. Uh-huh. We, we stood arm in arm at the front door. You guys aren't coming in. Yeah. And they didn't. Yeah, good. <laughs> I remember that. That's what. That's the kind of attitude, the kind of action that really soured me on on that a lot. Yeah. You know, the, the guys, just just stupid brutes. You know, that come out and like, okay, man, uh, it's punk now, so uh, we gotta we gotta do that. We gotta trash rooms and yeah. and be assholes. You know, yeah. and just because it's punk, man. Yeah. Right. No, it isn't. It's stupid. Right. Yeah. It was stupid then. Sorry, that's my own. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what do I know? I'm 72 years old. Man. You know. Well, I'm right behind you, Jim. Are you? Yeah. 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 Just cut that out. <laughs> Own it. Yeah, I do. I don't. I don't hide my age anymore. Yeah, me either. I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> that's punk. Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, see, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, now I I can recall. Right at the beginning, there was a lot of attention given to punk uh, in the media, and um, and then sensationalism. Right. So that was the newness of it. But then pretty soon, I don't know. Maybe people could see the numbers weren't there, um, and so media began to back away pretty quickly. I is did that happen at KGB? Well, like I said, there we did this for a couple of years. Am I still on? Okay. We uh, played it for a couple of years and then had to compartmentalize it. So yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. and that we, was my impression. We we always called it new wave instead of punk. Yeah, and so did we. I mean, not we we used both terms actually, but we referred to ourselves more as as well. At one point, punk included that, you know, and then it narrowed down to what became hardcore. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, so. But we used the term new wave plenty as mm-hmm. well because it seemed to fit. Yeah. yeah punk has a negative connotation to it. Well, see, that's the thing about the, the word itself yeah. is that people embraced that negative connotation. For um, the wrong reason. We're punks. We're, yeah. you know, yeah. Call us, back to, we're underdogs. Yeah. We're, you know, we're the people you don't like. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. We don't care. <laughs> Sure you don't. So, well, so then, yeah, I mean, the numbers, I think, in those first, at least the first year, the first year from 78 to 79, there were maybe 150 people that could be counted on to go to the shows, of which any show would have maybe 50. Yeah. yeah. And that was it. That was the entire scene right there. Yeah, even, even through the spirit days the late 70s into the early mid 80s. Yeah. I mean, Saturday night at the Spirit, that was like, you know, the same 75 people, yep. you know, 100 people yep. that kept that whole thing going. It at got least a little bigger, San but Diego, yeah. San Diego, yeah. Yeah. Um, we did, that was we did all right with Jerry. <laughs> a lot of bands 
complained about Jerry. And Hell, he paid us 200 bucks one night. That was good. And we were opening for you guys. It was a New Year's Eve show. Really? Yeah, I think it was 1980, New Year's Eve. Penetrators and Land Piranha. Right. Land Piranha got 200 bucks, which today is the equivalent of what? Six hundred dollars. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Sure. And that was our biggest paying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I don't think there was another band that Jerry Herrera gave us a piece of the bar. Oh, we did a residency did. there once a once a month show, yeah. or no, twice a month show, and uh, we got a piece of the bar. Sweet. We got twenty five percent of what he said the bar was. Yeah, right. Of course. <laughs> Where's Jerry now? Well, he just finished building a house in Belize. Yeah, right. I heard that. Yeah, with a gorgeous swimming pool. I see Jerry. He's inviting <laughs> everyone down. You know. I saw that. I, I was it on Facebook? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I saw that then. So that that was. Yeah, I you know I can't complain about the guy. Nah, that was a blast. Yeah, and he I, he gave me a, a night to do my noise music stuff. I called it Down There. And I, I that was probably a twice a month show as well. I missed that. On a that. Monday night. <laughs> a great night for First club dates music. for uh, Crash Worship. Okay. We're at Down There at the Spirit. Yeah. I remember he, Jerry had some, one night he had the worst bands in the world night. <laughs> 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 well, so was, these people were forming bands just to be terrible. So some of them couldn't hack it. But I remember that <laughs> the winning band was called The Fucked. <laughs> and I remember that they were so bad that the singer just stopped everything in the middle of a song, turned around because his back was to the audience. He turned around and said, what do you expect? We're fucked. Right? <laughs> I just fell, out, fell over at that. I I this is perfect. That. Jerry, I love this show. <laughs> you should do this more often. Yeah, I kind of love that. I, you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, had, he had an appreciation for stupid. Well, <laughs> right. You remember his column? His, yeah, his, I love his weekly column. column. And there'd yeah. be a paragraph at the bottom that was just mm -hmm. uh, kind of in that direction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was fun. It was a fun scene. Yeah. The spirit was... Yeah, well, so, well, all right, Jim, I, I think we've we've covered some ground here. Hey, it's a pleasure chatting with you, James Call. Yeah, you too, you too. It's, uh, you know, I don't bump into you that often, so it's mm. always a pleasure. Yeah, I used to enjoy bumping into you at City College at the radio station. Yeah, you? right. But I'm I don't work there anymore. I'm still there. I'm still there. I put in 12 years, but not, yeah. no more. Yeah, well, so I'm... Today was my first day of tutoring, so... Oh, good for you. Yeah, so it looks like I, even if I finish up as a student, and I've been I've been stu a student there since 2013. Oh, I was going to say, you've been a student since about 1956, I think. <laughs> but not just there. I mean, there's something to be said for continuing education. Yeah, good. Yeah, well, all right, Jim. I think we got some, okay. some good stuff here. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, it's my pleasure. All right. Punk Lives is produced by Henry Dean Jepson. Uh, video and recording by David Robles. And I'm your host, James Call.